Welcome to Sprints and Milestones, a podcast where Brett Harnett and Greg Story share war stories, tips, tactics, and anecdotes on navigating the sometimes rough waters of getting digital projects done. If you're leading projects and want some help and reassurance that you're doing the right things, you've downloaded the right podcast. Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by Team Gantt and Harvest, two companies who have supported me and the digital project management community for some time now. Team Gantt is an online project management platform that helps you to create intuitive and beautiful project plans. For more information and a free account, visit teamgantt.com. Harvest, if you don't already know, is a leading time tracking and reporting software that has helped me to keep many budgets and projects intact. For more information and to start your free trial, visit getharvest.com. On with the show. On the last episode, we talked about being multilingual communicators, which led us to a conversation about knowing your role as a PM, boosting your confidence, and setting the right expectation for great project communications. On this episode, we're talking about how PMs are lovable hard asses. Here's an excerpt from the book. Digital project managers walk the line between servant and leader, caring equally about numbers and people. It's a challenge that requires much thought and consideration in the way we behave. While we are not managers with direct reports, we work hard to build relationships with our team members to serve as confidants, counselors, and friends who have their work and best interest in mind at all time. At the same time, we challenge bullshit when we see it, stand up for our clients and our teams when it's easier to stay quiet, speak up and save our projects, and work damn hard to keep our teams motivated, our clients happy, and our projects on target. So Brett, I've been thinking about this because you and I have had some issues around this kind of topic in the past with folks kind of what I feel is misinterpret what this what this means. And I feel like there's two different types of hard asses. There's uh, a good PM like yourself who can be uh, strict at times or, you know, enforce what is needed to be done, but while also being lovable or and or relatable, right? Right. Uh, but there's an, another type of, uh, there's a different tact that I've seen people take, and, and I believe it's that they, they, um, they take this kind of permission of being a hard ass, and instead they end up being just a really big jerk. And that, of course, you know, doesn't, um, it doesn't bode well for anybody. No, I mean, that's the PM that nobody wants to work with. That's the PM who gives all PMs a bad name, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and kind of also is why PMs have to struggle in some cases, maybe even a lot of cases, to get the respect that they deserve on the team. Right. Definitely. Yeah, I think we're talking about the reason that that I call it lovable hard asses. And I have to say, I didn't come up with this term. Rachel Gertz from Louder Than 10 said this in in some conversation we had. And I I really picked up on it because I really do think it's true. You have to balance, right? You have to balance trust and confidence in doing the job with soft skills and empathy and knowing that, you know, you've got to be the boss, but you also have to be the friend because if you're not the friend and understanding what it takes to get work done, then it's going to be hard to motivate people to get the job done. 
So, and it's weird because you won't always send the right impression to your team or clients if you're overly confident, meaning that, you know, you're always kind of the hard ass that's saying we're doing it this way. Like you you can't be rigid and we've talked about that. You need to be able to also understand personalities, read a room, see if what you're talking about. And a lot of times what we're talking about is like really kind of mundane, but very important stuff like timelines and budgets, like things that people care about that you do kind of have to be a little bit rigid about. But if you're not really landing a message or the message is not landing well with some people, then you've got to be able to kind of shift that conversation to the personalities that you're talking to and, and, and talk about those things in a way that will land well. But I think, you know, in that kind of balance of trust, confidence, and soft skills, that the biggest thing is building trust with teams and stakeholders and understanding personalities and motivations. Um, because I think without trust at the core, you're never going to be a really great project manager. No, you'll be rolled over quickly and uh, many, many, many times. Yeah. So you know, something just occurred to me, and this is going to date myself here just a bit, but... Gramps. I know. It's the A-team, right? And if you think about it, the A-team had four different personalities. Now, together, they all worked, you know, they they were the A-team. But at different times, different situations, different personalities had to be, you know, used to achieve the goal. Sure. Mm -hmm. And kind of, you know, again, I go back to the badass, um, you know, one of the personalities on the A-team, B.A. Baracus, um, you know, the, the grumpy, grouchy, big muscle guy, uh, you know, kind of rigid in his thinking. Step off, fool. Yeah, black and white. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are times where he was needed, but that's he wasn't the team, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the PMs that uh, kind of gravitate towards that, you know, that I've got to be the tough one. I've got to be the, I can't be friendly. I've got to be the terse person. I've got to, you know, even speak louder than most people. <laughs> How many times has that Yeah, happened? it's happened with me for sure. Oh my gosh. And, and that's, um, that thought just kind of occurred to me is I think that's if you've taken it that far, if where you feel like you're, you, you are embodying the, the enforcer label, then you got to step back because you're never going to be effective. Right. And well, I, I would even take that another level and say, if you actually think of yourself as the enforcer, you've got a problem because it's a team <laughs> effort, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just like the A team, like everything happened with them because they had four people doing a job, right? It's mm-hmm. not like you, you pull one person out and, and they get everything done. That's just not how it works. And as a PM, you need the team to get the job done because you can't do it on your own. So you better you better fit in well and, and understand what makes you a good fit. Yeah. You know, you and I, have we've actually kicked PMs off of projects before. Yeah. Or, or had to swap a PM out because th- that person just was not, you know, going back to what you're talking about of the, you know, building trust, um, having confidence, but doing all this with grace and, and some soft skills we should probably talk about that. You know, like what happens when that's not gelling? How do you how do you avoid that from happening? Yeah, I think ideally you would you would always try to avoid it from happening and set some really good expectations again for what the PM would do on the project with the client and with the team. You know, I, I think what it comes down to is 
the client doesn't have to like the PM and the PM doesn't have to like the client, but there does have to be mutual respect because without that respect, nobody is going to really kind of take the lead or the role where they're, they are enforcing and, and they're leading the team and facilitating and helping to make really good decisions. So I think setting that expectation has to happen very early in a relationship almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times in, in my work, what I'll recommend with agency teams is that as soon as a project scope is signed and you're sort of aligning teams and getting ready to kick off, I would have a call where the person who has sold the project to the client sits down with the client and the assigned project manager and they have a conversation about what the role of the project manager is and how they're going to help the project. Then the project manager gets to step in, introduce themselves, start to build a relationship with the client, talk to them about important things like this is the scope of the project. Um, want to make sure that we're both on the same page about what we're doing here. Um, so that you're level setting right away. Um, and it shows that the PM is really focused on the scope and talking about things like budgets and timelines becomes very transparent early on. Um, then you start talking about, so this is how we, we communicate as a team. Um, this is how we work with clients. Is that going to work with you? Um, then you start talking about the organization and hierarchy and the types of personalities and the types of projects that they're working on. And then eventually, you know, you're building a relationship just out of the fact that you're, you're sharing information and that you're showing that you actually know what you do as a PM and you're starting to build trust immediately with stakeholders. And to me, that's really important. Like having that conversation before the whole team gets to the table and positioning the PM as the leader can really help a relationship. And I think if you're not doing that, and I do think Greg, in that situation, we weren't doing that. I think it's easy for the PM to step in, be frazzled because they don't have all the background. They haven't met the stakeholders. You know, I, I think level setting can help. It can calm people down and make people feel more comfortable in the role that they're in. Yep. I, you know, leading with empathy is always a good first step with that too. Absolutely. We should talk about trust. I've, I've seen, I feel like every week I see another article coming out about the need for trust, right? That a lot of the problems come down to a lack of, of trust, whether that's a trust in a, not so much an individual, but more of a, I don't trust that you're going to get the job done or that you're going to get the job done to my level of satisfaction or you're going to get it done on time or whatever that is. But a lack of trust can actually, can, you know, as you said, lead to problems and actually put a severe dent into a project. Yeah, I think... You know, for a PM, it's not easy to build trust, but it is really important. So I look at it on a couple of kind of layers, so to speak. So organizationally, like in the organization, in your role, how do other people in the organization trust or even look at project managers? Like what is the role and do they trust that the role is there for a very important specific job to be done, right? Like, so does, does the organization trust project management. And I found that a lot don't. Um, and there is kind of like level setting and, and expectations that need to be set from the top down in that case. And then if you look at sort of the project setting, and if you're in an organization where, you know, it's not like a smaller agency where you're working with, you know, let's say 30 people and everyone knows each other, but in a larger organization, 
um, and you're being staffed to projects and you might be working with people for the first time. And this is certainly how it was for me when I worked at Razorfish in Philadelphia. You know, there were hundreds of people and I'd work with different people on every project and different types of projects. So for me, you know, I wanted to not only have the team trust me, but also get to know me so that they could come to me with problems. And, and I guess that is trust, but it's also just knowing that there is a level of openness and transparency in the work that I do that I want to be your confidant. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to go out for coffee. We don't have to go to happy hour, but I just want you to know that you can come to me. And that's the harder thing to do because, you know, all humans behave differently, especially in the workplace. Like some people don't want to take mm -hmm. that extra time for me to stop by and say, hey, how are things going? Um, do you have any concerns about the work that's happening? Do you have any questions? Some people just want to be heads down, getting their work done, putting their time in and leaving. And that I've found definitely happens in kind of like that bigger organization. And you might know a little bit more about this given your recent experience too. But I, I think it's really important for the PM to try to crack that nut, you know, like I have mm -hmm. to at least try to get to know these people so they understand how I can help them so that I can give them an entry to come and talk to me whenever they need it. But also vice versa, like I need to feel comfortable in the fact that if I stop by to talk to you or if I reach out to you by even by email or Slack or whatever it is, you'll know that, you know, I'm not just a box checker sitting behind the scenes, making sure you get your work done and reporting that back to your boss. Like I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for the project. I'm looking out for the client. And that's really kind of gets back to the expectation of what the role is. So I think, I think it's really complicated. Obviously people are complicated, but you know, you kind of have to be a little bit flexible. Um, and that's where the kind of lovable side of this comes in, right? Like I'm flexible in the way that I communicate with a lot of different people because I know not everyone likes to be communicated to in the same way. Yeah, that's, um, you know, Shopify had the, um, they've got a metaphor for, for trust and, and how, how you build that up, and it's the trust battery. So their observation is, and they use this metaphor, um, especially for new folks who come in, they kind of figure that if like, and this couldn't just be new new people coming in, but even new relationships, right? So, a PM meeting stakeholders for the first time, using Shopify's kind of way of thinking about it, your you, both your batteries are at fifty percent, and every time that you interact with your stakeholders or even other people on the team, that's your batteries are either going to charge or discharge on essentially accountability and integrity. You know, did you deliver on the things you said that you would? Did you communicate? Did you follow up? Did you reply? Any time that that's a positive, you know, the trust between you and that other person goes up. Once you have trust, you build confidence, right? Then you don't, I mean, so many things just kind of melt away. You don't have to over communicate per se. You don't have to meet with the person as much. You know, it's working with them is a lot easier, more seamless. You start to develop shorthand, you know, language uh, just because you've, you've you got the trust and ideally you've been working together for a long enough uh, period of time. Right. Like there's a, a mutual agreement on how you work together and how you behave and how you communicate. And that 
I, I think that takes a little bit of time for for teams to really figure that out. It does, but the lovable part, you know, uh, what referencing what you said earlier in the episode of being lovable and, and kind of what that means of the balance of trust and confidence with soft skills, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I feel like the people that, that are able to uh, go into new relationships with better soft skills than others, they're probably coming into that relationship with their trust battery at 60%, you know, or, or maybe they go in at 50, but it charges very quickly to 60 or 70%. That lovable part is, um, is so important. If, if you can get to that, that situation or, you know, get to that, um, that mode of operating, uh, I, I think as a project manager, you're just going to have a lot easier time with your role and you're, you're going to love it even more. I agree. And can I just say, I think that, you know, sitting here thinking about this, I think it comes back to not being intimidated by people um, and knowing that everyone is there for a common goal. So just figuring out the best way to work together really benefits everyone, but particularly a PM, just like knowing that you do have to be a hard ass sometimes doesn't mean that it gives you an excuse to be a jerk all the time. Right. So like be the human that you want to interact with. um, And I think you'll get that back. Yeah, totally. Well, that's, and you also mentioned how do you develop all this and and you kind of do it at kickoff, right? Mm -hmm. When I was at IBM and running multiple teams of designers in, in short cohorts, my it was it was my job to ensure that the work got done in a six week time frame. When I got my designers, I didn't I didn't know any of them, and in in most cases, they didn't know each other, right? So, we had to come up with a way to quickly get the team to get get the team comfortable with one another, start trusting each other. As, as soon as possible, right? So that they could actually start working on the problem that was in front of them, not working on, well, you know, like, why is that person doing this work when that's kind of what I wanted to do? After going through a cohort and kind of seeing people bump into each other for about a week and a half until they didn't feel threatened by one another, we developed an exercise where they would spend about an hour to two hours coming up with how they were going to govern themselves. Well, let's just step back. One is we had them do uh, quick five-minute presentations to introduce one another uh, or introduce themselves to one another to say, like, here's who I am. Here's here's where I, I came from. Here's when I went to college. Here's why I got into design. They, they basically, you know, spent some time being vulnerable to a bit, right, to a degree in front of the rest of their team so that they all kind of went through a vulnerability exercise together by being having to do a little bit of public speaking and kind of showing people what's kind of behind them as a person. Uh, and then the second half of that is then they would go into a governance exercise where they would come up with um, kind of guiding principles for their team. You know, and it could be everything from not talking over one another to we're going to have donuts every Tuesday. You know, there was a, a mixed uh, array of, of uh, kind of rules and principles that they were going to live by. But for the most part, after they were done with those two exercises, uh, I didn't have to worry if the team was going to gel with one another or not. 
and and all the problems that I had in the beginning just kind of went away once we started doing those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for giving time and space for people to become comfortable with one another to figure out how they can best work together because that's where you find the most efficiency, right? And most companies are looking for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's um, another group that I worked with. Uh, speaking of, of trust, they were kind of put together in an ad hoc fashion. They were they both kind of shared, they all, all four of them shared some personality traits in that they all like to talk. You know, they, they couldn't, when it needed or necessary, they could speak to you very plainly. But when you got the four of them together, they would talk over each other. They would talk nonstop. <laughs> and, you know, nobody could, could speak plainly. Nobody could say something simply. And so inevitably, their, their hour-long meetings, um, even the times when they were grooming their backlog, you know, of, of their, their Kanban board, they, an hour-long session was taking four hours. And so <laughs> wow. the, the, the trust in the team just like went away, right? Like they, they avoided, they, they didn't want to go into that meeting. They, they knew inevitably uh, something so simple as grooming a backlog was going to take an entire afternoon. You know, it just got to be to a point where they all had to kind of come together and basically admit that this wasn't working. And they came up with a pretty simple rule or, or a simple rule for the team, rather, which is they had a, a code word. Uh, they had a safe word. <laughs> and, and it was cinnamon. And so what, what they would use this is if somebody was, was one, they, they agreed to stop talking over one another. That helped a lot. But then their propensity of speaking in long-winded, you know, uh, they just simply would, if someone was, was talking long and start to ramble, uh, a team member could just say cinnamon. And that would immediately tell you that not so much as they disagreed with what you're saying or that you're, you know, you're wrong or anything like that. It's just, we get it. Let's move on. Yeah. And it worked, right? They went back from the, their four hour meeting down, back down to a one hour and the team, gelled better together. They communicated better with one another. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, that's all to say some of these things may sound complex, but they can, some of those tools that you use to help run a team, uh, can be pretty simple and, and very effective. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, working in a team environment and having and building the trust with a team to actually create those rules, for how you operate together, um, I think can be really powerful. And then you end up with people who want to continually approach projects with the same group. And that can be pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to call cinnamon on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's been really interesting. Thanks everyone for listening today. We've talked a lot about what's referenced in chapter eight, which is about navigating difficult conversations. Yeah, and I also think that this has something to do with uh, Chapter 9, which is setting and managing expectations as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for our next episode where we'll cover the topic of education and the next principle in the series, which is we are consummate learners. So thanks again, Greg, and we'll see everyone next time. Thanks. You sprinted to the end of this episode. Milestone complete. Thank you for listening. 
If you're looking for more resources on digital project management, check out Project Management for Humans by Brett Harnick, which is available on Amazon.com or through Rosenfeld Media. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and check out our show notes and more at sprintsandmilestones.com.